a real quick note about audio quality on today's episode. Um, you know, there's technological difficulties in this new thing that I'm trying to do where, where guests come on and, and patch in real time for us. And, uh, you know, I'm ironing that out. But uh, like I say, every time this happens with some audio stuff, uh, just sit back and relax and get lost in the conversation and you'll, you won't even notice. So uh, thank you for your patience. Let's get into it. Do you have an album that you just finished? Do you feel like it's the perfect synthesizer or modular album other than the mix? Are you just fighting it in your cans, on your studio monitors? Is it your DAW? What's going on? Well, I tell you what, you don't need to take up all of your creative energy trying to figure this out when there are people out there that can do it for you. I'm talking about Hugo R.A. Paris at Tiny Crush Mixing. His work is custom tailored to synthesists and modular synthesis. He works on recommendations from Nathan Moody. So what does that tell you? <laughs> I'm looking at his background here and it's, it's like, it's almost unbelievable. So let's just start with an academic background where he focused on acoustic and signal processing. That work led him to uh, work with MIT, Caltech, Stanford University. Uh, he has three of his own albums out. Uh, one is on Beacon Sound, the record label. Uh, so he's label mates with Terry Riley and Amulets and many others. Also has some music out on Jack Tone Records. His albums have received positive attention from the press and have been reviewed by outlets such as Accelerator, Fact Magazine, and Resident Advisor. Like those are the three for electronic music. Um, oh yeah, he also conceived and developed the spherical wavetable navigator, the flagship Eurorack module over at 4MS. So you're in good hands. His state-of-the-art studio provides the ideal listening configuration for your work. He also will do remote mix breakdowns with you if you're interested in learning you know, what he's doing and maybe how to do it for yourself in the future. The turnaround time is quick and he offers add-ons such as reamping and analog summing. Openings start now. So you're sitting on that album and you want it to sound as good as it possibly can? Then head over to tinycrushmixing.com and get a hold of Hugo. Thank you for coming back to Podular Modcast. This week's episode is brought to you by Patchworks, our lovely synth shop here in Seattle. I love Patchwork so much. Uh, not only because I love synthesizers and they have a great selection, but I also love the people who who own and run it and work there. Just a good, it's a, it's like a little family, you know. Um, they they make awesome videos. They're just kind of like. You know, pre-pandemic, they had workshops constantly, nightly solder meetups, you know. The, the whole works. They're just, uh, just such an important force uh, in, our, in our Seattle scene and really the global modular scene. You don't have to live in Seattle to support Patrick. So head over to P-A-T-C-H-W-E-R-K-S.com and get yourself some synthesizer stuff. Maybe, maybe you could get some stuff from After Later Audio. You know that Benjolin V2 is all the rage. Um, and the tilt steps and blend, I still think are, um, you know, you heard me raving about them pretty much all through 2020. Uh, still use them to this day in my, my cases. Um, real control voltage powerhouses. Uh, and they're, they're economic, not only in price, but also in size. So once again, after later audio. Um, and then of course, you're gonna need a case for all this stuff. Why don't you head over to needhamwoodworks.com and uh, you know, pick up something that, you know, treat yourself. Get a case that not only will hold your Eurorack modules, but tell the world just how classy and how much taste you have. Needhamwoodworks.com.
Hello and welcome back to Podular Modcast. My name is Tim Held, and I'm really excited about this week's episode. The cool thing about having a podcast that's been going for three years is you can have repeat guests, um, and sometimes, like today, you can have three-peat guests. And um, yeah, this will be the third time that Daedalus has been on the show, uh, and it's it's been really cool to uh, become friends with Alfred over the last few years. And um, you know, so selfishly, it's it's my it's a good excuse for me to get to talk one on one for an hour with a friend of mine that I you know don't get to see in person. But it's also um, not just for selfish reasons that um, I wanted to have Alfred back on. I wanted them to come on so they could walk us through a patch. They're going to build a patch in real time for us. Um, okay, maybe it is a little selfish because. I knew that we had similar setups now that I've kind of switched to a sampler-based um, approach, but not, not until we started chatting and I, I saw an actual shot of their synth did I realize, like, oh, we have a, like an extremely similar um, setup. So it was really cool to be able to pick their brain and watch their process of going through it, and then I'm going to walk you guys through my process of using a very similar setup. Um, at the end of the at the end of the episode, and and the the results are wildly different. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. And we're going to get into this conversation shortly, but I just uh, have a few things I want to share with you. Uh, one of those things is my Strega video, my horror film that I made, is uh, is on YouTube. So I'd be very appreciative if you would go check that out and uh, maybe maybe throw my my channel a subscribe. Man, I hate talking like this, but I guess this is what you have to do to be uh, a synthfluencer. That's a word I saw the other day, and I was like, oh my god, synthfluencer! It, it, it made me kind of gave me the willies. I was like, oh god, that's um, that's gross. I don't like that term. I don't I don't like the whole like influencer thing. But it's like I'm kind of. And, you know, I, I can't lie to myself that that's kind of a, a lane that I am occupying. Um, I don't know. Why, what am I talking about? Why am I talking about this? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I just want to be an artist, and I want to talk to cool artists, and I want to share things with you. So, yeah, please go check out my YouTube page. I feel like I'm doing some of my best work um, as an artist over there. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've got some really, really cool stuff coming up in the future that I just really want to tell you about right now, but I can't. There's like three three irons in the fire right now over at PodMod headquarters that um, are really, really cool. And maybe some of you Patreon people know about it. Some of it, anyways. Um, so I'd like to say thank you to all you Patreon subscribers. If you would like to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod, please visit patreon.com forward slash podular modcast. Another thing I wanted to share with you guys that I just I recently discovered and, and think is so cool uh, is actually this uh, it's a uh, Instagram account. Um, I know I was just talking about how gross I think like influencer culture is, and now I'm like, hey, check out this Instagram account. But like, it's called uh, it's it's called Tartababe, and it's uh, it's a scientist from Montreal uh, named Chloe, and she's a microbiologist, and she takes um, a microscope like camera and films these like unicellular organisms and then puts like cool electronic music to it and makes these little like short films of um there's a lot of water bears aka tardigrades a, you know that's how she got the the name for her her uh channel tardababe um but also these things that i had never heard of before they're called stentors 
and they're just these really, really wild looking uh, unicellular uh, organisms. And yeah, just really high res can't like uh videos of these things doing weird unicellular organism stuff and i submitted some songs and and she's used a couple of my tracks on them so that's pretty cool so go give that a follow and then submit some of your music to her um it's just kind of cool to see science and synths like fusing in uh in a way that uh it's just just really pleasant and enjoyable. Okay, that is enough from me. We're going to get into this chat with uh, with Daedalus here in a moment. Um, just one more reminder. Please go check out my, my YouTube page. I'm, I'm going to be posting some really, really cool stuff with Strega and the Cursible. Um, I've just... I've got a lot of stuff in the chamber that's just going to be uploaded every once a week about. So, uh, yeah. Thanks again for coming back to Podular Modcast. Let's talk to Alfred. <laughs> Um, well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been, um, it's been a while since we've chatted in person, but, um, it's been cool since we, we met in Seattle and, and you've been on the show a few times just to kind of chat every once in a while and stay in touch. Yeah. And, um, I've, I've been liking to, you know, it's been fun to see, uh, how you're developing out in, uh, in Boston. And the last time we talked here, you had just moved out there. And you were worried about the co- the coming cold, and you had just bought your first winter jacket. So, <laughs> I want to do a check in on that because I know you got you guys just got hit with a blizzard. It looks like. Absolutely, yeah. There was what they call a nor'easter, uh-huh. being these kind of east coast storms that I've heard in legend and lore, but to then live through it is both like daunting and also like now kind of commonplace and normal. Snow mm-hmm. on the ground, it's sticking, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> um, this, some people will be laughing at this, but as a Southern Californian kid. Everything is new and shocking, uh-huh. and uh, cold being one of them. Not feeling your feet, your toes, or your fingers, on like <laughs> a daily basis, especially when I was commuting uh, before COVID times. Um, but of course, right now there's not much going out because my partner and I had a baby recently. Yeah, uh, our little son Clementine, and that makes all of this very like we're nesting fully, mm-hmm. like totally ensconced in our little bubble of, of like warm, gooey, uh, like babyness <laughs> and in, in moments in like dribs and drabs stealing off to make strange squiggles with the sense it's like yeah kind of a dream come true well yeah well congratulations on entering parenthood that is that's uh so cool and like we are talking off mic we're we are working on it here in Podmod headquarters as well um i just was kind of curious with with co- like having a child in covid times you it seems like a double-edged sword, but maybe one of the positives is that you do get to kind of be that nest, that, that family unit that doesn't have to really break up too much. Is, like, how do you feel about this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, so I'm trying to, like, put the shine on it, trying to make it as positive as possible, obviously. Right. It is, like, an absolute horror story tragedy for, for so many and in, in ways that are big and small for mm-hmm. all of us. Even if we have it a bit better, or if life kind of continues or finds ways, it's beautiful. But the truth of the matter is, at the hospital, we all wore masks and we weren't able to have visitors. Our families have still not seen this child. Um, uh-huh. There is every chance that it will still be months, or yeah. who knows however long. And it, it feels like uh, much of this could have been avoided. Much of like yeah. the absolute pronouncedness of this could have been avoided. And then uh-huh. from that other perspective of like, I once was a musician who played shows and I really do feel yeah. like it was in, in the hind hindsight, uh, in the rear view mirror. Cause 
I'd love to come back at it, but I know it'll be different. It won't feel the same sense of freedom and camaraderie. There will be a sense of fear in the room that um, never should be at the show. We should all feel fearless right. to make all those kind of sounds and death-defying leaps of button pushing as we feel. So, mm-hmm. in that way, uh, yeah. But to answer your more more pressing point, it, it, there is something really magical about bringing mm-hmm. in a life in a time of insecurity when we have to answer both for them and ourselves that yeah. life will go on and that there is good things ahead and that they can have and find opportunities and this is like now my job as much as it ever was to make a sound now my job is to like try to give them a world that will um, rise to the occasion right yeah I'm, I mean I'm thinking about it if you know for us in the future should it happen for us and you know kind of thinking about similar things the yeah just the nervousness about being responsible for somebody other than myself um but i kind of feel like that will be good for me um but yeah something else i wanted to talk about was how are you doing you know just just mentally because how how many years were were you a touring musician before this happened like a long time right like that was your life and it just stopped before 2019, so when I started at, at Berkeley, um, things certainly, you know, and, and thankfully had kind of quieted. Um, right around 2011, 2012 was like the height of my touring, but I had been mm-hmm. touring for 10 years before then, and I had still kept it going um, quite strongly up until about 2018, where both because of things that were like personal, like family stuff, but then also um, my own interest in like renewing the practice like I kind of switched over mm-hmm. from doing monom sets which was the previous like this kind of this uh, controller multi-button fun thing of sample confusion into mm-hmm. modular which mm-hmm. like that was right around 2018 I want to say maybe it was 2017 but yeah it was like I really made this concerted effort to like I need to renew my my ability to to kind of be introspective on stage and all these things. So making the huge switch to modular and, and then now having like a hybrid approach to my live sets, but it really did feel like, okay, well, if I'm going to change that up, I can't keep on playing the same, I never was playing the same set, but can't like this, the same kind of valence of like what the performance can aspire towards. So mm-hmm. that had to change and that meant getting off the road a bit. So, but anyways, it was like 20 years of touring really strongly and not being yeah. the vast majority of the way that ends were met. Now I had some records that I would sell occasionally and mm-hmm. that's nice and other kind of musical outcomes in terms of licensing, but really it was just the touring life and like crisscrossing America. I remember like it was always on the books, like every time the new year would roll around. So just like recently I had to think about this again, like Jan one, I would usually have like a kind of a, a kind of a vision quest towards like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm going to do Europe twice, I'm going to do Asia twice, I'm going to do America three times. And that was like the kind of, that was the numbers that needed to happen to kind of keep the, keep it all feeling like something was, was happening. And mm-hmm. that was, you know, that was, that was the last 15 years prior to that. And so, and then do South, you, South America too in there and some other, yeah. like, you know, some great things. It's like markets that were coming up that you can feel like have quieted it back out um, mm-hmm. in terms of like playing in Africa more often and playing um, in Southeast Asia, which has always been a stronghold, but like just more markets coming online, mm-hmm. super excitingly. More yeah. countries. Oceania, like, you know, New Caled- Caledon, Caledon? Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah. It's like <laughs> giant island that like nobody talks about is like a, uh-huh. a viable place to play shows now, apparently. And, like, oh, wow. Someday I want to check it out. Yeah. 
So I'm yeah, I'm kind of curious, like, because you know, I, I mean, I know you enjoyed it and, and loved it, but is there a part of you that kind of feels like you got like a a, a needed break from that kind of lifestyle, or had it been broken up enough beforehand with the teaching and kind of switched to modular, where it it kind of I don't know. I just I'm just curious, how much do you miss it, and how how much do you look forward to getting back to it? <laughs> I um yeah so in teaching it so I teach all the time music performance at Berkeley that's mm-hmm. my that's my kind of gig even though there's other classes that I I dip into um it makes it it renewed it certainly did like plant new seeds and kind of rise raise new questions about what what wants to happen on stages and so of course I would love to but also with with kid and with like that as well like I can't ever imagine doing like grindy two month tours anymore and enjoying right. it and like breathing it as much. Mm-hmm. I think there's going to be a sense of like weekenders and otherwise, which isn't isn't touring in, in many ways. That's like going out and, and kind of setting up and then tearing down and coming home. It's it's mm-hmm. very different than than like yeah, not knowing where you're going to kind of rest your head the next night or not being cared cared about it. Just like literally like being a, a like a tiny leaf on a, on a big river and kind of just being cast right. Around. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but teaching it though, indeed, like and hoping that students especially will find um, their opportunities. And so I have to be very attuned to like what the current like marketplace and trends are in terms of. I don't want to sell a false like I don't want to sell like a false conclusion to these students about like the kind of the world that's going to be meeting them. I want to kind of like have these kind of conversations very loudly about exactly what expectations can be can be made and how which ways that they can have an active role in subverting those expectations mm-hmm. so yeah in that regard so i'm curious <laughs> how much has um like the this world of of live streaming and stuff entered your classroom and your curriculum you know a surprisingly small amount really because okay. we've been so, what well, i mean that's the thing we talk about it incessantly uh-huh. but like we don't do it and i know the students are somewhat involved but it's very daunting. Like I know it you've is. been active at it. I know you've been like getting, getting busy, but you just know, you know, it's like the numbers game of it is, mm-hmm. is impossible. And, and because it was hard enough to, to woo a person to a show because of how much was competing online, but at least they were getting out into some air or, mm-hmm. you know, or into a dank dungeon, but it still was a kind of air. Mm-hmm. Like, it smelled a bit, but it had air. Uh, but then, <laughs> but then the, uh, the whole thing of like, you know, hey, like tune into my stream, and like the idea that somebody's gonna sit there for an hour or multiple hours, yeah, and like just be with you is it, there's still possibility, of course, and there's certain people who, who are okay for it, but there's just like a million other things going on online, and, mm-hmm. and half of them are, are empty vessels to which to just cycle through and just kind of don't really want you to be there for long periods of time. So it's really hard to compete with, and it's been that way for a while. But then with the students as well, it's like you know they're zoomed out. We're all yeah, we're all like totally like yeah. <laughs> I know. And, and equally, especially for sound, right? Like, because mm-hmm. a lot of streaming is, is deficient on the sound. Like, the thing that is the most intoxicating and, and like, it, it is the experience that we all signed up for, which is, like, this lightning bolt of, like, sound experience that just, like, hits you when mm-hmm. it rumbles, like, the your stomach because the bass is so happening and you're just, like, you know, their fight or flight is kicking in and it's just so exciting. And, like, missing all of that because of, like, it's tinny downstream like relegated to low speed internet kind of it's cutting out and yeah yeah it's cutting well, I, it's just cutting out. yeah it is i i have to just moment to tip my hat i've talked to him quite a bit i've had him on the show multiple um since societies around uh the country and they've been doing a good job keeping 
it as alive as it possibly can be in this format. Um, but you're right, uh, that, that feeling that's rumbling your chest, you know, that feeling of the connection with the performer and with the people around you, it's just, um, you know, making jokes in the chat, in the side chat is just not the same. Um, <laughs> but I will say, <laughs> I do love the fact that I've been exposed to so much more sound culture than mm-hmm. I would have if it would just been about shows. And especially with things like Module on the Spot, I went to like two in LA. Mm-hmm. It's, it's huge. Like I miss so much good music because mm-hmm. it was just a little bit further out, a little hard to get to. And on usually like Sunday morning when it's just like, or so, like some part of the day when it's just like, it's a little hard to like, I'm going to go and do that thing rather than make music or like make choices with my partner or something. Right. It's just it's a little bit of an ask. Not that bad. Yeah. Really actually really not that bad. I'm happy I went to two or more, I guess. Um, but being able to go to like New York Synthesizes mm-hmm. uh, streams or, or like the brain feeder streams that I participated in or, or the like vast others that, you know, modular has shown up. Mm-hmm. It's like it. so many players, so many people. I went to what, a few synth conferences online mm-hmm. and I was really like surprised and happy about the amount of community that was going on. Yeah. Um, and I know, you know, a lot of this culture, you know, exists in chat rooms, but it's just different to look, look someone in the eye and hear their sound. And like, definitely, nice. definitely. When I'm, one thing we talked about when I've talked to these synth societies and, and something I've thanked them for, and, and I can't see it not being true, but once the world is whatever, this, whatever it's going to be once we're able to be around each other again, we've created this, like, network of people. I, I'm, now I'm friends with people that I've never phys- physically occupied the same space as because yeah. of these things. So I think there's going to be a cool market to kind of kind of run around and, and, and hang out in, I'm hoping anyways. Um, but, yeah, just pr- trying to put some shine on it, you know, yeah, like you said earlier. Yeah, percent. And also to people being more open and willing to recognize the value of an event or an occurrence and not have to tie that value into um, kind of hefting themselves somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. even though it's, I don't know how many streams you've attended that have a, a, like a ticket, basically, a price tag, mm-hmm. but just this idea that art isn't free and it needs support and that the musicians and artists and those who are making it, if it isn't just like a tip jar set outside the guitar playing, you know, cover yeah. somewhere. It's like, this is questions that have no easy answer and need to be asked in all kinds of different ways and mm-hmm. between all that like kind of adding up to something yeah and so i kind of see a willingness to kind of participate in that aspect too so, mm-hmm. you know. yeah which is a really interesting like petri dish experiment where if people like you know basically spending not too small amounts of money because they're just feeling it and of course mm-hmm. that again is like not unlike a tip jar but just feels a little bit more connected to something you know Maybe I'm just not watching the streams where people are like no scoping or whatever, but like maybe I'm only watching ones where they're o coasting or whatever. So it's uh huh, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, my my approach to the the live stream thing is like I I don't I don't mind watching it, and it, but uh, I don't want to make just a set of a static shot of my system. That's not interesting to me. But I've always wanted to kind of do like film stuff. So like I've just taken the opportunity and I just ask anybody who asks me you want to do this show? Yes. Can I make more of like a, a short film comprised of multiple performances? And that's what I've been doing. And so it's in that regard, it's been cool to kind of shake, shake things up for myself, but it should be viable. I mean, that's like awesome that you have the interest to like make the performance more of like a felt scene heard Mm -hmm. smelt thing. That's wonderful. Yeah. I'm having fun with it. Um, okay. One more question. Then we're going to start synthing. 
but I have to ask because when I saw you were asked to be, or you, you popped up, I think my wife told me, I think Hannah was like, did you see Alfred is on Duncan Trussell? And I was like, are you serious? Like, um, that's, I don't know if I've told you the story, but he's kind of the reason PodMod came into existence. It's because I was, I was kicking around the idea of doing the show. And then I decided ultimately that I wasn't going to do it. And I was, a few months had gone by and I was listening to him uh, in my, you know, at work in my earbuds and I was all depressed and I was thinking, well, why shouldn't, why shouldn't I do that podcast? No. And I'm going back and forth and all of a sudden he just screams out and I'd never heard him talk about it before in my life. It's like modular synthesis, man. And then I was like, he's like, that's, that's a sign. I'm, I'm going to make the show now. So it was just so cool to see you be a, be a guest. And I loved listening to uh, you two talk to each other. How did that happen? Yeah, he, he reached out of the blue. Like, I have to um, admit my ignorance towards all things Duncan Trussell. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it sounds like he was a Los Angelino, it sounds like we probably crossed paths at some random supermarket that was a little too overpriced or yeah. for its own business. <laughs> um, it seems like he, he kind of knew what was up, but at the same time, kind of got chased out a little bit like now is living near Asheville or somewhere in thereabouts mm-hmm. near the mm-hmm. Moog factory I think yeah mm-hmm. enough so that but um, I am always gobstruck at the the fact that this music thing actually you know random strangers sometimes hear sounds and they are moved enough to just reach out and say what's up and mm-hmm. I, I do all my own socials and so I end up seeing a lot of that stuff when if and when people do decide to to kind of wave and Mm-hmm. In this case, it really was very innocent. Just like, hey, ha- like, hello, I like these songs. I like what you're doing. And uh, I think he did that maybe publicly in a comment. And then this wave of people <laughs> who are like our family members or whatnot, like, uh-huh. started to to kind of say things. And but I think even at that point, maybe Duncan had like DM'd like a uh, invitation to maybe come on the show. But I just didn't know. Like, I don't, like, receive too many random invites to do things, but mm-hmm. sometimes, and mm-hmm. I try to, I mean, I there's only so much time in, in kind of days, and certainly appreciate people who are making content, but it's just, there is, it, it's difficult, it's challenging, but then I just saw, like, immediately saw his passion, and then I started to, like, listen to the podcast, and I was, like, thrilled both by the fact that, like, they are an ardent synthesis enthusiast, they're not, like, a professional musician, but they're just, like, really mm-hmm. into it. And then also they have this like comedic background that gives them insights into things like performance and it, like also into this Los Angeles experience that is like not for everyone and not my own. But I also spent a lot of time in comedy clubs as a younger person. I was in a, a band that was like the backing band at this like very famous comedy night. Oh, okay. So had this like weird like place to kind of, even though Duncan and I didn't talk about it, but like this kind of immediate kinship because we knew a lot of the same people, a lot of people that had been on the show or people that I had seen perform, mm-hmm, things like mm-hmm. that. And uh, so I guess it was awesome to do so, but also I just, you know, it's like, hey, like we're here to do synthesis and we're here to talk sounds and stuff. And it's great. And with Duncan, like I just didn't know where that was going. And there's something also thrilling about just being a little off the map. And Mm -hmm. he's obviously a very spiritually connected person and like has answered a lot of personal, like very hard questions for themselves. Mm -hmm. That's just really cool to be like everybody has stories like that probably. And it's just... Duncan has to, you know, tends to put it well together, much like yourself. And I'm so happy then that like that inspiration really reached out to you to do so because we're all, you know, better off for your inclusion and for theirs. Oh, well, and, 
Well, thanks. I feel like there's a number of other people who should be transmitting. Maybe they don't have a sound offering. Um, maybe they're a triple threat, a quadruple threat like yourself, where they have a bunch <laughs> of things. But whatever, whatever it is that fits into their, their particular... Like, there's something that they do that probably should be amplified and, and mm -hmm. should be uh, at least in the conversation. So maybe yeah. someone else is listening to your podcast right now. Do your podcast. Do your holodeck, you know, uh, live-action theater, your LARP you've been dreaming yes, of. Yes, yes. Why aren't you doing your synth LARP? What's going on? Like, <laughs> synth LARP, I love that. No, I, that's something I try to pay forward because of that experience. And I know I've had a lot of people reach out. How do you start a podcast? How do you start a synth society? And I always say, and I've had people, how did you get Daedalus on the show? I asked, I did it. Just, you just gotta, you just gotta do it, you know? Um, it's, it okay. Is hard. It is hard, especially when it what's is, going yes. on. It's hard, but right it's now, right now it's a weird time. Yes. It's, it's um, but you know, it's, it's, we're also connected and you know, it's as simple as putting together a patch. So now you just gotta. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes you got to kind of tear that patch apart and start all over again, like I did mm -hmm. yesterday with this one. Um, mm. <laughs> just want to take a quick break to tell you about ModBang cables. Um, not only are they durable, but they look great. There's nothing better than walking into your studio at night and seeing all the blinking lights below a nest of sublime green, cobalt blue, uh, blood orange, primrose, apple green, um, you know, did I already say blood orange? They're awesome colors. And you hit them with a black light. And I mean, I know what you're thinking. Tim, you're 37 years old. Do you have a black light? I bought a black light flashlight just for my mod bang cables. You, you charge them up and whoo, it's quite a sight. Um, they also have angled cables, which I am finding to be very, very useful. Um, especially if you want to get a, a, a patch built with a case that has a lid. For some reason, those just work really well. It's just less height. Um, and, you know, they've got quarter-inch cables. They have 3.5 millimeter to quarter-inch. Uh, and that's what I use to get from my synth to my interface. Um, I mean, what more could you really ask for? They glow in the dark. And they've got these cool little little rubber bands at the end. Just They just have personality. I, uh, I was actually patching on a friend's system recently, and they had, like, this kind of mismatch like they just had like a bunch of different types of cables and they didn't have there was no uniformity to it um just like all it seemed like all they had was like three foot cables and then like four inch cables and i was just like overwhelmed and i was and i and, and i i thought to myself i miss my mod band cables really bad um so yeah go go over to modbang.com to check them out and while i have your ear if you want to help keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod, please visit the Patreon. Um, I try to load up exclusive material as much as possible, and there's definitely going to be some some major benefits to being part of the, the Patreon um, when these, these upcoming things that I mentioned in the intro, these irons in the fire, when those things are coming into fruition, there, there will be, there will be uh, some, some cool benefits to being in the Patreon community. All right, let's get back into our chat. So you, I saw a, a, a shot of your synth while we were getting set up, and it looks like you and I have um, quite a bit of a little crossover, which is well, another reason I wanted to kind of make a patch and come in and share how I'm doing it, because you were a huge influence on me moving into kind of a sampler-driven way of, and, and, and when we first talked, I had zero samplers and had no real plan to do it, and now I don't even have a VCO in my rack. Like, I'm just, I make stuff 
because I, I also want to have a, a contained like like you like yourself you know a, a travel case and I don't want to have the whole the thing all the time you know um, I really appreciate the Richard Devines of the world with their like walls of like mm-hmm. alien language that's you know speaking in tongues the whole thing um, but I, I do I do fear at that like I, I shudder at the kind of idea of having to reach all those parts or make a change and not have the whole patch fall apart I mean obviously Richard is a technician and, and like is, is doing just fine but I know for myself like having stuff in arm's reach or like that kind of limited amount or the thing that I know I could like run out the door with as silly as that sounds like if somebody called and there was a gig that was safe uh, that I could do tomorrow I could like just pack this into his bag and just go yeah that's my yeah and the same with this doing these battery powered performances with my wife it's usually when we're doing something together as a couple and then i say can we squeeze in an hour and a half or so for my my little synth thing and that way it just all fits right in the car it doesn't take up any of our camping space stuff so yeah there's all sorts of reasons but it's ultimately like i like the same as what you were saying i want to be able to just have control. I get very overwhelmed if I pass 7U. If I'm working like 12U, I had 12U for a while and it was just to try to make a live set out of it. I didn't, I didn't really enjoy it very much. And I can understand those people who are like techno or like very like straightforward rhythm producers where each instrument has its own module and it's like very dialed in. So I can Mm -hmm. understand those like 12U or 15U performers who are kind of dealing in that space because you never have to kind of touch the thing. It exists in that kind of purity of module where it just functions mm-hmm. in one way, but there's way too much multifunction going on in my rack nowadays. Way too much. Like, <laughs> Same just, here. And just in general, in the modular world, mm-hmm. I just find that like people are finding more esoteric functions that are like just busy and, and kind of wonderfully like touchable and like, look at that new make noise instrument that I know you've already like mm-hmm. detailed and talked about quite a bit, but it like, it, it does so much. It's like it's, a one-stop shop. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to use it today in our Ooh. in my little experiment. Um, Wait, you have one? Yeah, they sent me one. Ooh. Yeah, I've, yeah. That that was that was my moment of being like feeling pretty cool. <laughs> um, you are right? a. And B, um, <laughs> I think that is uh, that's awesome that you're utilizing it. I'm very curious to now circle back on that episode and like and give it the dig. Yeah. Nice. Um. So I noticed, so I, I, you sold, you and my friend Greg Markle sold me on the stereo triggered sampler. And now it is, it is like, it is my core. Um, and then with the percussion uh, interface, cre- being able to create a gate signal out of my clock yeah. of the sample has been super useful. Um, I'll show you, I have a little twist on that now that I just Oh, really? Recently. Yeah. Okay. I mean, That's another I mean, reason I asked I you on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, it's wonderful. I've been really, I've been really wanting to get my, I have almost everything else for MS. I don't have the percussion unit yet. Um, and I've been driving my, my stuff from that, you know, I think we've talked before about my Sputnik modular, mm-hmm. um, that kind of the, what they, the, the um, EF, the envelope follower preamp that they put out, which is, has some of that kind of functionality of deriving both CB and kind of gate information from mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, from source, and in this case, the sample. So. Yeah, well, I'm I'm interested in, in digging into that a little deeper because the Strega, the make noise creation, has a, has you know you can put in external audio and then create a somewhat of an envelope follower on that too. So it's just, yeah. Um, I see you got a data bender. I also just got yeah. one of those. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of is that new newish for you? I don't it, think you had that when you came new. out of yeah, Seattle. No, I, like there's been a handful of announcements that have come out in during COVID time 
that, um, you know, like I'm paying attention and trying to get involved and some people uh, are, are sending things. But generally speaking, it's like, yeah, so like of the handful of things that came in, that was one of the things that I purchased when I saw it show up. And um, mm-hmm. I think it was a perfect circuit, kind of just like, hey, I'm feeling this. And I know I was dealing with audio, but I specifically got it because I also got the, um, the performer from mm-hmm. Mobbap. And I just wanted those two very different takes on audio manipulation. One that's like fully under fingers and the other one that is like kind of impregnable. Like, I'm mm-hmm. sure you've already felt this with the data vendors. Like you touch it and it's just like, go somewhere else. Uh, and like, I'm <laughs> never going to get back that like perfect whatever it was. I've only had it for a few days and haven't even cracked the manual. I've just kind of have it set up in it's mm-hmm. whatever it is because I'm using it and it, I'm liking what's happening. But I'm looking forward to getting to know it. But the performer seems kind of perfectly suited for your style of performance. Absolutely. Yeah. I think in some ways when I was first developing the Delaytalus, which mm-hmm. is my sampler uh, effects unit delay, I, I had aspirations for it to be a little bit more multi-effects and be still as hands-on as it was. And I'm really grateful for what we got. And there was so many features of it that I feel like now are kind of prescient. Like it was a sampler that derived CV data from, you know, from uh, the samples and like was able to. So it even does things that still don't quite exist in the modular space mm-hmm. in terms of being all in one. But the um, just the, the fact that the performer is so inspired by the, the 404, the um, the kind of famous Roland piece of gear that was so formative that the 303 and the 404 and then later on the 505 are these like sampler performers that like the beat scene was built on mm-hmm, not every mm-hmm. every maker not you know i don't think Flylo ever really used one maybe he did have a 404 for a time but but like many like dibiase is super famous for their use of it sam i am Teebs to this day still rocks one and it, it does a lot of the same things that the performer does, but like the performer slims it down, doesn't have samples on, you know, doesn't mm-hmm. have to worry about some sort of onboard memory things. It's just like under finger, but it, it really does feel that way. And so I feel like they, without being an exact copycat, we're not in some Behringer situation, but like really took the, the kind of spirit of it and then brought it to this monofor space. Yeah. Perfect. I've been really wanting to play with it. Um, so yeah, do you want to start uh, walking us through how you kind of, how you like maybe... How you'd set if if somebody said, "Hey, you, we want you to play a show tomorrow." Yeah. What would you do? Yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing is, I'm just going to walk you through what I've been patching lately. Okay. And, perfect. And it's not trying to. Um, this is really like. How do I say? I've been patching kind of similar for a while, so I know we've talked about some of these topics before, but I, I think I do want to highlight some of the new places that it's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, the Crucible. Mm-hmm. I am super enthusiastic about the potential of the Crucible to be yet another place of like aleatoric control over the sound space. And, mm-hmm. and I know you can make it so that you can really rules it in. And I know it's, it's a it's a module we've talked about before. So mm-hmm. I don't mean to bring it up so casually. Those of you who aren't familiar, it is like this like very dynamic router, audio router. It's kind of meant to be a like the focal point for the routing, right? Because you like have ins and outs, but it's really just like it's based on like an in and out that's like kind of one in and then like it divides out multiple times mm-hmm. and, then, and then kind of brings it back into those multiples, multi ins. And then it kind of goes back out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually had my patch. I've set up purposely with the, the cursible so I could show you. Cause I, I was awesome. thinking about you when, when we were talking about it, I was like, I think Alfred is going to just flip well, over this. So. And I've been using the planer too from IntelliGel much like that. Okay. That's yeah. What I mm-hmm. use the planer for. 
um, oftentimes because it has that same kind of feature function of like it has like multiple ins and multiple outs and you can have them uh, derive uh, kind of pass down through each other but rather than have it be that kind of one place where they coalesce and you can make those decisions you have to be very much more purposeful with the patching and mm-hmm. I don't think it'll save me any patch cables but it will <laughs> it, it will just give me different immediate options mm-hmm. that I've been digging so it's like for instance you know I have this catalyst flow that is like the crossfader the um, and I, I think I had that maybe it was very new in my my, my gear last time we talked mm-hmm. maybe I didn't have it then um, but like the catalyst is like an amazing CV crossfader that allows for so many dynamic patching, but I generally use it just A and B rather than the crossfader uh-huh. function. Now I have okay. in the past, but like just for the, f- for the function of this patch that I've been building um, or kind of continuing to mutate and work on. If anyone at, at kind of quote unquote home, I'm sure we can have some links and stuff, but I do try to keep up my modular grid relatively. Like I'm on version five of this, okay. this kind of setup now, just in terms of the equipment I have. And I think relatively recently I updated the patch. There's only one unit that's not up on modular grid, which is the um, the actual light storm control unit that does okay. my lighting, but that's not the most. You're like, you right. know, it's only if you have the light storm enclosure is it going to do that thing. So right. Oh, fully, you had just gotten that when we uh, when you played in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. And so yeah. I think, in some ways, being very proud of it, but also like still daunted at the idea of having the breakout section or whatever else like. And it's also, I think it's gone through a little bit of logic upgrade where it's kind of gotten even like more sensitive and more, more interesting in terms of how you can bridge it to what kind of signals you're sending. So oh, cool. um, just to walk everyone through, uh, on the center of my, my skiff, um, center bottom, I keep a stereo triggered sampler. And like we talked about before, I'm using it in mono mode where the left side and the B side, I end up like two different decks mm-hmm. of, of a DJ setup at essence. So short patch cables, going from the STS uh, out left, out right, going to their respective in one, in two, and the black X-Fade from Erica Sense. Okay. I've tried other crossfaders. It just hasn't done it for me. Yeah. It, it still isn't perfect. Like, I'm waiting for a crossfader, and I think, is it Genki Modular? Mm-hmm. Is like, has, like, a very official crossfader now for, like, Battle DJ, like, Synth, synth uh, Turntablism, Synth, synth I forget how... Um, uh, Kimsky is talking about it. Not Kimsky. Uh, oh gosh, Kimsky. Kimsky is uh, kind of this like I don't know if you're familiar with their work. It's somebody you should bring on the show for sure. Who's like really brought to the fore this synth- synthesis turntablism. Oh, um, using wait, modular... did you just say Genki with the, the people who do the wave ring? Because I've talked no, with no, them. Not, um... not, not, I think it must be a different different crew with a very similar name. I will get this figured out and hopefully they okay. put in the links, but they, they just are rolling. Maybe it is the same. I just don't think it is because it's I like don't a think very so. hardware I think... crossfader. It's not okay. so virtual, not so gesture-based. It's like the mm-hmm. most. Um, and so I, I take my one and two, um, my left and right, and go to one and two, and then I'll take my output. And this is the one part of my setup that is like doggedly, dauntingly, like kind of breaking the norms of modular because... I go from my, my middle out section of the black X fade, and then I go into the Sputnik modular, but the input on the Sputnik is a normal quarter inch. Oh, really? Because the Sputnik is a preamp that's made for gaining up enormously incoming signal. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. As if it was, like, as if I was using, like, you know, who knows, a Piazzo pickup or, like, you know, mm-hmm. Lord knows whatever else samples, uh, like, you know, microphone that's, like, weak signaled. Um, and I use it on the lowest preamp setting, 
I was going to ask. Yeah. So it's like there's so much more gain on this thing than I use. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, but that's okay. So it's just that funny moment of like I'm going to break break form. <laughs> I go with my output from the Sputnik modular, um, and I'm going into Tenderfoot Electronics Pinhell. I've never heard of this. Yeah, so it's a passive gate. It doesn't sink any power. Okay. And this is another place where I'm deriving gate information because what I do then is one of the nice things with the Sputnik modular is that you have like your pulse and your CV out pulse, of course, being kind of like gate information, CV out mm-hmm. being otherwise. And I, I go ahead and take the CV out and I run that into the CV in um, the pinhell. Okay. And what that does is basically allows the sample itself to control the, uh, the kind of the gate open and close. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. not just the sample because there's a there's a, like a um, a potentiometer associated with it, so I can turn that up or down. So let's uh, I'll go ahead and simply uh, kind of skip some of the rest of the patch. And so you could you could turn that gate on or off via the Sputnik. Is that what you're exactly. saying with the so, potentiometer? Okay. Mm-hmm. So for instance, I'll play some audio. So the audio is playing. Mm-hmm. Can't hear anything. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead and start turning up. Oh, let me turn up the volume there. So are you, you're using, you're generating a gate off of the audio, but then using that gate off of the audio to open another, uh, An like audio a, gate. A, a, so I yeah. derive like CV gate information, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. uh, and then I, I use that to, um, yeah, to then kind of control a physical audio gate. Even though that that's gate, cool. the secondary gate could also be a CD gate. That's something I was like actually laying in bed last night thinking like, because so far me and you, like I, I do the same thing that you, you're doing minus the crossfader. Um, mm-hmm. But I was thinking I need to add, uh, you know, an LPG or a VCA into it. <laughs> it it's a, and it's, this one being passive is super nice. And it also mm-hmm. has these like, it has a few different dip switch kind of features where I could change the kind of nature of the gate. So mm-hmm. I can make it so that it's just a through. Okay. Or mm-hmm. I can kind of make it more of a filter, kind of more of a nice. Now you'll see, I have some other tenderfoot that shows up in my rack later. Okay. And we'll talk about that. I have a few other wonderfully clever things with them. They're out of Taiwan. Okay. Awesome. It, it's been a really relative experience to, to be able to like see them grow as like a kind of a DIY maker I don't know how much they're carried by U.S. manufacturers, but you can certainly get your hands on it. Um, mm-hmm. But like a lot of, I, I just, you know, it's like a lot of the standard issue problem solving kind of units. They have like uh, some simple delays and some otherwise, and it's just, it's coming from their perspective as a maker. It's one of the things that drew me to the whole modular scene in general is that like, oh. I see so many producers making music that like fits their particular interests and ethos, mm-hmm. but like they're, they're not making instruments. Right. Right. Like mm-hmm. they're not like solving those problems because they're like, they're on that make side. All right. So uh, we can do a few different things at this point. Um, one of the ways that I would sometimes bridge this is immediately to encounter things like the Z verb and otherwise. But in this case, what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump this across, back across my skiff to the planer two. Mm-hmm. And I'm going into input A on the planer two. And what this allows me to do is kind of take a pure raw signal. And then run that to, let's do just to an output. So now I have, um, and the output I'm using is the listen uh, four quarters from Formas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's just give that some goose, give this some geese. 
And then, so as long as now, uh, now mm -hmm. I have direct control using the joystick on the planer too. If I go to the A position, you can hear the audio. That's because I've gone into, from the pinhole to the input A, and then out of input A into uh, the first input on the four quarters. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so this is just, yeah, we're starting out. And now what I'm also going to do is I'm just going to put my, my uh, emblematic catalyst flow to control the crossfader. So let's just give okay. it some volume, and you can hear that happening then. Because, mm -hmm. of course, I just like the, the kind of logic of hands. So I relatively know that this, this tempo material works together. Mm -hmm. create little flanges and flows now of course now just with the pure audio it's maybe not as interesting because it's just a little bit interrupted. You can find little sweet spots. Anyways, so that's that's just with just audio mixing and I could conceivably keep on going back and forth between these like larger sample sources to kind of create what would be relatively typical DJ kind of experience. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. rather, let's kind of bust out immediately though. I'm gonna go out of B now, out of mm -hmm. the, so like, so B is gonna immediately flow to um, my favorite, even though it's like compromised in this like funny way, the Z verb. Uh -huh. Are you familiar with Z verb? I am, yeah, I've been, I've been wanting to look into that and that, that uh, echo, those tip top, those reverb and delays, they seem really solid. Yeah. Well, the one thing that's really odd about the Z-verb is that it outputs stereo, but it inputs mono. Uh-huh, okay. And, of course, this suits me just fine because I'm dealing with largely mono material, mm -hmm. except for the fact that, like, one of my favorite units, period, and this is something that I've been, like, glowing about, is the wrong, the oh, wrong, yeah. or whatever, uh -huh. the wrong, L-R-M-S-M-L-S-L-R. -S 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 -L -L -S -L -R. <laughs> <laughs> my dyslexia kicks in so terribly when that happens. <laughs> yeah. um, it, it is one of my, like, I just adore as what it does sonically is so incredible to what is essentially mono material. So it's like, if I'm, you know, kind of dealing in the dregs of like, kind of things running down the middle and being straightforward by being able to take the stereo output from, or take the mono output from say like this dual side STS, run it into the Z verb, even at a very gentle degree, I'm able to kind of create a much more stereo wide feel before it hits the LR, MS, MSLR. <laughs> Gonna get that one of these days. I am also dyslexic, so I understand. Great. This synthesis makes all the sense because mm -hmm. it makes a little sense. So, out of the LR, MS, MS, LR, I'm going uh, the mi middle, I'm gonna run to the left side of my uh, all right devices, or my, yeah, my all right devices, Chrono Blob 2. Mm -hmm. Which is 
my go-to favorite. I love it. And then the side is going to go to the right. Now, are you okay. familiar with this idea of the M, the LR, MS, MS? Yeah. I had Morgan on the show a while ago, awesome. and I know it's a lot about, you know, um, spatially placing frequency ranges. Is that right? Yeah, it's like middle side. Mm-hmm. So the idea of, like, kind of the average stereo um, imaging is you have, like, the middle of the stereo field on the sides of the stereo field. And, and with the way we've been kind of – it's been introduced to us largely is it's this idea of, like, of, of uh, left and right, which would be kind of a lie. It's much more about, like, down the middle – in mm-hmm. terms of the stereo phase and then on the sides, that kind of data. And, of course, you can push things to the left or right in terms of the sides, but that, that dichotomy, it ends up being this like kind of triangle, this like three-pointed space to which much of our audio experience happens. Okay. Just our brain interpolates information in this kind of way of, like, where is it coming from? We tend to, uh, like, we, we have a triangulation that happens with sound. And so by being able to play with those places, you come up with these just, like, much... Just like it just ends up being much more generous. So I take the left and I run it back to the mid, and I take the right, uh, right side output, and I run it to the side, the input side. Oh, okay. So it's okay. like a very straightforward, patchable. Um, and then let me just take some cables that are long enough. Do I, I see you have some mod bang cables in there? I do. I, after your shout out of them, I had to go get some. Oh, nice. Because I was looking for cables that had a lot more personality. And these things have personality. Yeah, I just got there. Not not to do an ad, but I just got their their new uh, Sublime Green, and I just absolutely love this color. Like, I want to just get nothing but those. You know, someday I would like to aspire towards now, there's always been this kind of, this not to get too off topic, but the Synthy A. Are you familiar with the Synthy A? Uh, not, th- I mean, I know Synthy, but so I'm not like sure. The same people that made the Putney. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like these synthesizers that from the English maker where they had like this kind of battleship style like grid. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yes, yes, I know that. Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. route different signals around Genius. It has like a sound like unlike any others, and of course, Erica just recently rolled out their like version of it. I think uh-huh. with full permission and like doing a, a really, really incredible job, um, kind of finding routes and angles into which to get some of that same cleverness of that patching. But mm-hmm. they have the the actual thing that Erica kind of misses is that the pins that you would put into these synthy and and, this, and the putney and these kind of things was they were different impedance depending on the color. Oh, right, right, so yes. you could uh-huh. create different amounts to which the signals were routing. Mm-hmm. Very, yeah, very clever. So that anyways, is, so yeah, that's genius. So here's the sound. Let me make sure I'm just going all correct. It looks right. sample source going through the Z-verb, so it's getting a little drenched in this case. I can mm-hmm. turn it down, but come on. Mm-hmm. 
So you're having your signal. You're going into the the warn from um, from a, the echo verb into Chronoblob and then back into the warn and then to your mixer. Well, so it's kind of getting to the Z-verb, into, they're out in the echo verb, Z-verb, the yeah. Z-verb, uh-huh. that, that basically creates a little bit of that spatialization that's happening, and so that I'm able to then go from. Uh, I'm using the Chronoblob to kind of then differentiate those sounds. The middle and the side is one of the breakout features okay. of the wrong unit. And then uh, I'm using the chronoblock to kind of adjust the timing between the two sides. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. So in this case, I'm just manipulating the side. So here's something like going back to that original kind of techno, or like the kind of housey sound. It can end up being very potent, as in terms of like a sound liberation, where you're kind of getting these spatialized effects compared to the original source. In this case, the delays. <laughs> okay, so that's that's a place to put the patch. Uh-huh. Just go ahead and I'm curious example. with the banks, the banks and the um on the STS. Yeah. Do you do you have like color coded banks that you know like the two sides of the deck will work together? Do you kind of stay in like blue, so like sample one and sample two, if blue will you know work together, or do you do color coded tempo or anything, or do you just kind of put everything on there that you know works? Yeah. So it, with the STS, the banks are kind of centralized and they are a little bit arbitrary in terms of their color progression. Mm-hmm. But I do it based less on the color in terms of what works together and more on the number of of uh, of what do you call it? Of the kind of blips, you know what I mean? When it like flashes. Okay. So uh-huh, like uh-huh. every color that's solid will all kind of work together. Ah, now, I see. Not that's without mm-hmm. fail, but in right. that kind of range. And then, but I also like the fact that that gives me this whole playground of like what, like a hundred samples that generally work together, even if they don't harmonically all work together and sometimes rhythmically don't quite play nice, but they're all relatively in the same tempo space. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then if I go to this next um, kind of flash so for instance now we're in flash uh one of orange it's a different tempo space but they everything works still aha okay so i imagine that would give you kind of some freedom to even surprise yourself with what's popping up like do you have i can't imagine you have them all memorized or do you no no no, not at all the whole point is to to make it so that i'm not in a in like a and like a lane or like a contrived idea. And especially mm-hmm. once it comes down to like starting to manipulate the length or start position, um, it takes a lot of listening and trying to grab the right moment uh, that, or the unexpected twist of when the beat falls to, to kind of create possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's keep this going because we yeah. have so much time. Yeah, I know. Um, I was going to say, I don't want to take up too much of your day. <laughs> it's all good. I'm going from C now, uh, C output, which is going to be the bottom right quadrant of the... Uh, and I'm going to go mono into the uh, mod map, into mm-hmm. the performer. Um, and this then, and I'm like totally glossing over. I feel kind of bad. Like I've been, I had the instrument of things, the 2.4 sync in my life recently. Mm-hmm. And I adore it, but I just don't, I'm not using it right now in this patch. Like mm-hmm. it sits in the far right corner of my, 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 uh, 
of the skiff um, far bottom right corner, but I'm just not using its functions. And of course, like these beautiful, like wearables in terms of like gesture-based tech. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was going to ask about great, that. But like, mm -hmm. it's just not showing up right now in my patches. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so I go into the mod map, come out stereo. I'm going to go into the bottom fourth channel of my, uh, my thing. And so let's just hear some audio there. This would be something else. On the track, 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 doing like very accurate musical like they're much more of like a scatter shot kind, uh -huh. of, uh, a kind of spatialized effect that's really leaning on on the uh, warong unit versus uh -huh. the kind of useful quote-unquote useful audio delay the mod map does that so well that it's like that's where i want to perform it. okay it, it you like were to be played. were you were doing using the chrono blob for that at one yeah. point, were you with like the yeah. planar? Because I remember exactly. you, went, you were doing sound check and you're like, hey, try this. And I like, I tried and I couldn't make, make it do the thing that you're doing. But like, it, yeah, that's. It, <laughs> it can be super fun that way. Um, and no, no, it's, 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 it's uh, worth doing for sure. But yeah. I'm, I'm doing it a little bit differently nowadays. Um, Chrono Blob 2 is my main delay as well. I love that. Oh, thing. awesome. Okay. Um, and then let's just go to the last piece of this puzzle where I'm going uh, from my D output on the planer 2, I'm now going um, into the uh, Tenderfoot, uh, the SVF-1, okay. which is an incredible uh, like multi-band filter, which has mm -hmm. this great function where I can come out of multiple bands at the same time. It mm -hmm. also has this like wonderful like polite and less polite function where oh. you can really change the kind of the growl and grit of it in a uh -huh. very musical fashion. So for instance, let's go out of the, the low pass and I'm going to go into the data bender. Okay. And then I'm going to go out of the um, band pass and go into the uh, right side of the data bender. So I'm basically creating a stereo image out of the out of like what is very uneven uh, uh -huh. audio mm -hmm. because it's going to. But then what I do is I'm going to take the um, X out from the planer two and run that into the SVF in terms of uh, on frequency. So let's just go ahead and give it some audio. All right. Okay. Let's go from that. We're just going to go from the left side. And the data vendor, of course, is like so many different possibilities. I'm just creating the range. Uh -huh. so it's like... Uh-huh. On so you're so hands-on. That's awesome. Yeah, I was trying to trying to limit the amount of just autonomous functions. Uh-huh. And then in the end, like I'm rocking around the plane too. When I set up my, um, when I end up setting up more things like, uh, like, the catalyst flow, and that's controlling more functions. And now increasingly, with the kind of way you can do latching and performance on the performer, between this bottom section, like I am constantly 
having to move around to make the music go. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Even though I know this is still antithetical to most people's notion about synthesis, where it should be this like kind of squiggly line that you occasionally like, you know, writing left or, or right, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. or controlling in different ways. I, I adore those kind of performances, but as we talked about before, it's like interested in this like very performed variant of like sample flow. So I want to see Definitely. yours. Yeah. I mean, I think now I've kind of detailed. Just a, one more little recap. It's like you get the clear signal and then like the B, C, and D are different flavors of like totally, totally different uh, like like versions of glitched out or performed um, audio spaces. And so just to even like kind of be... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so many times. I, I, yeah, so... That's the vibe, well, and maybe I'll do a little short thing later. But let's see yours. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know, I know you. I mean, with uh, you know, parenthood and all. I don't. If you need to go, you can let me know, and I can walk you through this, and uh, you could you could listen to it on the episode. Um, yeah, so if you yeah. if you got to go, that, I I understand. But um, how much time do you got? Um, let's see what we've done. Yeah, we've done about an hour. That's amazing. Yeah. All right, so yeah, maybe I should should start to like figure that out, especially if I can listen at your leisure. You can kind of do whatever you want. That's what, yeah, I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I would love that. Um, do you have time to maybe do just a quick little performance of everything yeah. you patched up, or you could do that later too and send me the recording if you no, want. No, I can do. I can do something really, really quick. Yeah. Okay. Is cool. that kind of vibe good, or do you want something a little different? I want you to do you.
Brilliant. Okay. Can you hear me? That was, yeah, yeah, that was cool. so awesome. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> uh, how'd you feel about it? I feel great. I mean, I great. like, I don't give myself the opportunity very often to just like mess about lately because uh-huh. it has come down to, you know, it's like, there's only so many windows of time. My partner's mm-hmm. been very generous to kind of be watching the baby this long. And so I, I just yeah. don't, I don't spend as much as I still spend time, like, you know, messing about and making tracks and kind of making different patches of module. I don't just like let it flow so easily. Right? Mm-hmm. Hopefully, mm-hmm. wow, it's still weird to see ghost hand. The epoch cam is just continuing. <laughs> so delayed. Um, but yeah, uh, well, yeah, I really I, appreciate I, the time and, 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 and also to walk us through this and show us, you know, how, how you do it. I think this is going to be, um, even for people who don't use samplers, I think there's a lot of just good, good patching philosophy in there. Um, I think just trying to provide yourself opportunities to get yourself into little fixes, mm-hmm. little problems, bury yourself up to your neck in like sounds, and then just see in which way that it, it just generate something of uh like I, I just adore the fact that there's not always um logic that can like save you in these kind of situations so sometimes you have to mm-hmm. like feel it out and, mm-hmm. and modular although it does like the logic system very well and you have to kind of put a lot of forethought in your patches you can also equally put your like build in situations that that have to be in the moment like dealt with and so yeah if you're using samplers or not i think this is uh or if you're using, you know, if you don't have any molts, if you just like, if it's just a linear flow in your setup, you can still introduce elements of, of kind of chance or, or just where your hands can have some of the, some of the um, sound mm-hmm. ideas coming, ebbing from. Right on. Well, yes. Thanks again for your generosity. I think people are going to really enjoy this and uh, thank you to your partner for, you know, <laughs> you, um, yeah. And uh, well, I'm going to let you have the rest of your day, but is there anything that you want to tell people to go check out? Um, any direction you want people to be pointed in? Yeah, I mean, okay, so other than the makers mentioned, like, mm-hmm. I, I still, I use the um, the Spherical Wavetape Navigator by 4MS, even though I have no oscillators in my current, like, skiff, I use the thing all the time, I adore it. Mm-hmm. I still, to this day, find that it's becoming more and more... Um, the like one-stop shop for me when I'm looking for an oscillator, and I, I love mm-hmm. the ensemble. I love some of the things that they've done since, but just mm-hmm. to me, it's still is still that like place. And so, just when I am picking an oscillator, I tend to reach for that. I should just mention, equally, um, the Blue Box from 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 Bitbox. Um, oh yeah. Ten ten mm-hmm. me, ten ten music. Mm-hmm. Um, some people made the Bitbox and uh, have the Blue Box. I've been using that a lot in terms of getting away from the laptop. I appreciate being able to talk to you through Zoom, uh-huh. and being able to do all this. But let's be honest, sometimes you know all too well you just don't want to have that interface mm-hmm. kind of becoming the center focus of our zoomed yeah. out over emailed like hyper uh, aware reality so mm-hmm. or hyper like non-aware unaware? yeah yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah yeah something. Uh, and so I've, I've been loving just like setting it up and like jamming with a lot more freedom than having to watch the waveform kind of scroll by on my screen mm-hmm. definitely i get that totally and then go check out uh, those of you who aren't necessarily up on the Bajorn book series, the Tweak Patch Move mm-hmm. book series. I, I was a contributor to the latest one that had to do with semi-modular space. Okay. Um, so maybe those of you who are looking for a beautiful coffee table book that's all about uh-huh. modular, but also <laughs> maybe some real, real hard, hard-hitting interviews and, and some fluff pieces too, and like all the things you want from like 
a kind of book that details a lot of Moog's kind of aspirations towards modular and where they've gone. Mm-hmm. I, I I did want to bring up like I, I love my little like multi uh, oh gosh it has like a name that I can't remember right now but like their foot pedal modular system. It's one of the very first things I got that like spit multiple CV. Oh okay. It's still to this day is the most clever most weird device I own. Um, I would highly recommend any of you can seek it out. It was a total failure on Moog's part, which I love <laughs> because they only put out winners. And uh-huh. This one just like didn't hit, but it, it's incredible. Those of you out there who might be C1 for sale, like a really odd foot pedal that just did all this. Like, I'm going to look into that. Yeah. It was that great. Sounds cool. I okay. The name of it. Yeah. You can okay. Edit in me. You can like chop in. <laughs> if I just say all numbers, letters, and words, you'll be able to just like perfectly edit it together. I trust. I trust. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. Um, And until next time. Okay. Let's dive into my patch. I just want to say really quick, though, this is not the patch that I had made the night before. Alfred and I had our discussion. Um, You know, when you're when you're having Daedalus on your show and you're, you know, you're you're both going to create a piece of music because you have uh, seemingly similar uh, systems, actually more similar as we talked than I had previously realized. Um, you know, I, I wanted to bring my A game and I feel like the thing that I made is not my A game. Um, I'm trying to get to this new sound with like these lo-fi drums and make it really crunchy and, and, and I'm getting close. So I think I'll throw that up on that, that original patch that I made up onto Patreon as a bonus. Um, but yeah, I decided to take another swing at it because, uh, I wanted to just feel better about the piece of music that I, that I was making. Um, and I, and I think I got there. I think this is kind of a, um, a prime example of what I've been up to for the last six or seven months. Um, you know, and with the help of Arbar and the Cursible and the Data Bender, um, I feel like I'm getting even closer to the sound that I want to get to. And I think it's really interesting. One thing that I was anticipating was going to happen, and I think it certainly has, is to show that when two people have very similar systems, that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to have similar sounds at all. Um, my, my flow or, or not my flow, but my sound that I get out of, out of my STS and then the corresponding modules thereafter are, is quite different than, than, uh, that of Daedalus. Let's get into this patch. I'm going to do a little walkthrough of it and then I'll do a performance of it. Um, of course the STS, much like Daedalus, the, the kind of the root. Um, and then right off the bat, here is where we do, you know, I do something a little different. What I, what I tend to do is get the same sample drawn up on each side of the, uh, the STS. And then I use the end out of one, I get it looping. So I actually end up using the first sample, um, or the, the, the left side as, uh, it kind of becomes the clock. So let's just bring that up in the mix. This is just a, a chunk of actually a, a live performance that I did in Yellowstone. So it's a sample of a sample. Um, so just a little snippet of it. And I've got the end out running into the play side of the, uh, the second side of the STS, and that's doing this. So very, very repetitive. Let's just hear the right side by itself. So basically I just got have, have the start position in a different spot. Um, than the, than the first. So same song, two different pieces of it. Um, and then I've got the, the, the first, the first side of, uh, that first sample, this one here is triggering the, uh, 
the percussion interface from 4MS. So I'm just generating a gate off of that, and that's how I'm getting um, my clock for the rest of the patch. And so what I've got going, I've got the gate out going into an Allen uh, Turing machine, and then into, um, and then I've got the Morcom expander, which is the pulses expander for that. And then basically using a bunch of random gates to clock modulation sources, such as the Oct, um, and some other stuff. Um, so what I do, what I really like to do is record um, from the STS into the Morphogene. So let's, let's just get that going really quick. So here's what I recorded into the Morphogene, and then I slowly start blending the two sides. Um, so the sound on south side, this is the exact same thing that you heard from the STS, but I pitch it down two octaves, and then I start messing with the, uh, you know, the gene size and the, the slide and the morph and everything. And then um, I'll get into modulating that later. Um, that's a way that I, I try to introduce variation to a patch is by letting this kind of vamp in its own way and then start messing with, you know, plugging gates into the play side and uh, modulation into the gene size and the slide and morph. So, nice little blend of the two. So let's turn that down. And then I've got um, those same two samples from the STS going into the data bender. And that sounds like this. Let me plug them in. So I've got some modulation um, going into the break and the corrupt. And then I've got the mix all the way up. Um, and this is actually louder than this will ever be in the piece. So what I like to do, on this piece anyways, is get this, let's get the two sides going, blend, do a half and half blend of the sound on sound from Morphogene, and then just bring these, these data bender sides up really, really quietly. And so it just adds a little cool little layer there. Now, what's next? Next up, I have the uh, Instro R-Bar running into the Ritual Electronics Alter filter. It's kind of in a low pass-ish mode. And then that is running out into Cursible. So let's bring that up. Oh, and um, what's going into that is uh, the first sample of, uh, from the STS. So I've got the wet all the way up. And I'm using one of those uh, gates from Morcom, the random gates, um, to switch between three different effect sends on uh, the Cursible. The first one is going to Earthquaker devices afterneath. And then I'm actually just running one of the, out the second output, the second send into the, uh, the monsoon in, which is like a clouds. And then I'm running both of those outs because it's stereo to the return for two and three. So I'm not actually using the third send. Um, So they're actually pretty similar um, in effect, but it just it, they're just different enough for it to be interesting, in my opinion. So there's that. Let's just bring it all kind of generally in together. Um, for modulation sources, I actually have just just a few. I'm using um, the the Oct from Instro and DivKid, and then I'm using a special secret module that I can't quite tell you about uh, right now. Um, 
but yeah, with um, I, I feel like with with this kind of patch, I like to manually uh, control a lot of things because um, because of the nature of Havoc being so repetitive um, and such a short loop, and then have it being like recorded into Morphogene, um, it's kind of generative in a way. It is very repetitive, but um, there's so much different stuff going on that. I think you could listen to it for a while without it sounding like it's repetitive or too repetitive. And so what I like to do is just uh, manually switch parameters on this. And that's kind of, that's my, um, my interaction and, and my, you know, how I, I quote unquote perform it. I'm trying to think if there's anything I've left out. Oh, what I do with the Cursible a lot is I run the, um, the sum output uh, rather than just straight into a mixer, I run that into the Chrono Blob 2 and get some stereo delay off of it just to give um, just a little bit more um, ambiance out of that. And I've talked about this before, I believe, um, on the show, that like, a lot of these tricks that I've been using. And um, I was starting to kind of feel uh, like, am I, am I, is this okay to keep doing the same thing over and over again? And, and it, was, it was really, really made me feel... Uh, validated and like, okay, yeah, this is the right thing to do when Alfred showed me that uh, they do that, you know? Um, they were like, I, I just kind of, this is, this is the general setup. And then they ran through that and then created a piece of music. And, and no piece of music is ever the exact same um, in either their or my approach to uh, this kind of sample-based synthesis. So I hope that wasn't too rambly. I hope that was uh, fun to listen to. Um, and I hope this, this performance of the patch is, uh, is fun to listen to. Before we get into this patch, I just want to say thank you to Patchwork Seattle, Afterlater Audio, ModBang Cables, Needham Woodworks, and of course, Tiny Crush Mixing. Um, you may be an awesome synthesist or songwriter, but you know, maybe you're not the best mixer. I'm finding that out about myself. I, I don't think my mixing abilities are on par with my actual patching abilities. Um, so if you have an album finished, don't let that awesome piece of art be shrouded in the smog of a subpar mix. So head over to Tiny Crush Mixing and uh, let Hugo doctor that up for you. Once again, thank you to everybody who listens to the show, and thank you to everybody on Patreon who supports me. If you would like to keep the LEDs blinking over here at PodMod, please visit patreon.com forward slash modcast. Let's check out my patch that I'm going to call Return to the White Dome. Until next week.